Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. As we continue our series on country music and faith, we welcome the Oak Ridge Boys to the show, and we are rebroadcasting a very special interview with country music star Aaron Watson. The Oak Ridge Boys have one of the most distinctive and recognizable sounds in the music industry. Their four-part harmonies and upbeat songs have spawned dozens of country hits and a number one pop smash, and have earned them Grammy, Dove, CMA, and ACM awards. The roots of the group, and for each man individually, are steeped in gospel music and faith in God. Joe, William, Dwayne, and Richard speak to God's faithfulness in their lives and acknowledge His hand in their long and fruitful careers. The Oak Ridge Quartet history goes way back to 1943. The original Oak Ridge Quartet sang in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. They were called the Georgia Clodhoppers at the time and performed for the people who were uh, sequestered there at the secret city working on the atomic bomb that would end the war in the Pacific. It's an incredible piece of history. And they became known as the Oak Ridge Quartet, moved to Nashville, started the all-night singing conventions at the Ryman Auditorium right around the Opry, took big part in the Grand Ole Opry back in those days, got through the 50s, changed their name to the Oak Ridge Boys, got into the 60s when William Lee and Dwayne joined, into the 70s when Richard and I joined. The Oak Ridge Boys, before Richard and I were here, were the top gospel quartet in the world. There was none better. And uh, to be a part of that is really cool now. And then throughout this incredible journey that we've had the last 44 years, a Hall of Fame career. Anybody have anything you want to add to why you're still together? Would you like to have a seat? No, I'm good. <laughs> I'll, I'll get that for you. Yep, you. I'm okay. fine. Okay, go ahead. Nope. Well, I feel like that it's, uh, I feel, you know, it's it's this music and singing that we all love. It's what brought us together. And I feel like that's actually what keeps us together. It's a real honor being part of a group like the Oak Ridge Boys with our roots steeped heavily in Southern gospel and uh, with the incredible, incredible music career that we have had. I was the last one of the four to join the Oak Ridge Boys. I joined in October of 1973, although we've all been good friends long before that, and I think you'll find that with each of the guys. And uh, in fact, Richard and I grew up close to each other, and we, we've been friends since I was like um, 15 and he was 19. Obviously, I uh, sing the low part, <laughs> and I joined just before Joe, about a year before Joe. I was singing at the time in a group called J.D. Sumner and the Stamps Quartet. I was actually singing with Elvis. I was singing with the king of rock and roll, which was an amazing experience. It really was. Uh, and while I was singing uh, with Elvis one day, William Lee Golden called me up and said that the bass singer in the Oak Ridge Boys was uh, going to leave the group and he wanted to know if I would be interested in joining the, the group. So I had to make a decision. I had to make a major decision in my life. And I have to admit, I did pray about it, you know, and, and I felt like it was really what the, you know, what the Lord wanted me to do with my life. Uh, so here I was singing with Elvis, but I made the decision to leave Elvis and to then join the Oak Ridge Boys. I, I, I believed in what the Oak Ridge Boys were doing. I felt like the Oak Ridge Boys had a great deal of potential and I wanted to be a part of the group. So I made that decision and I think, you know, uh, uh, I made a pretty good decision right there because so many great things have happened to all four of us over the years and it's, it's, it's just great. I made friends with the Oak Ridge Boys uh, back when I was in college and I uh, 
I would go to see them in different places. And I got acquainted with all of them. And I remember the first time I ever saw William Lee Golden was at a Oak Ridge Boys concert and Will Rogers, and it was in the Round Theater over there. You were walking around the hall, and I, that's the first time I ever saw you in my life. And I was still a college student at that time. And I graduated from college, and I joined another group, and the Oak Ridge Boys heard me sing in that group, and they offered me a job. Uh, I couldn't take the job because Uncle Sam was calling me and I had to go to the Army first. I fulfilled my obligation in the Army and the Oak Ridge Boys job was still available. So I traveled to Nashville and walked in at just the right time to join the Oak Ridge Boys. And I feel like if you can get out of the Army, buy a new car, drive all night from Texas and walk into the Oak Ridge Boys office at the very time that they're trying to call me to offer me the job. I think that's a God thing. I was a fan of the Oak Ridge Boys, like some of the rest of us, before I ever got to be invited to be a part of the Oak Ridge Boys, but I grew up singing as a kid all my life, and uh, so then I sang in quartets, you know, and sang in groups in high school and out of high school. and. But it was out of high school, and uh, I was singing on a part-time group and working at a paper mill, and met the Oak Ridge Boys and got to know them, and we sang some shows with them. They said they wanted me to start the next week, so I went back to Bruton and gave them my resignation at the paper mill, and <laughs> I took a vacation to fill out my time, and came back to Nashville, and. I started at the very bottom, and after 53 years, I finally worked myself sideways. <laughs> it's the music and singing that we all love. It's what brought us together, and I feel like that's actually what keeps us together. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we made decisions as young guys about what we wanted to do in life. And uh, thank God that I don't feel like things just happen. I think that there's a reason and a purpose for everything and God's plan. And sometimes we can't see it until it does happen. And uh, other times, you know, we may be surprised, but then you live in life and nothing is surprising anymore. And it's, but, uh, I feel like that the Oak Ridge Boys are here for a, you know, it's, we're spiritually brought together through uh, our love and our appreciation for gospel music originally. It was that love and passion that we each had that brought us together. And I feel like it's the same God that brought us together is the same God that's kept us together. And our roots and our heritage are in Southern-style four-part gospel harmony singing. Can't get away from that. In the biggest hit records we've had, you can hear it. Uh, you know, and a lot of that has to do with the bass singer here, man. You know, that, that laying that foundational bass part underneath of all the harmony that we're doing. And uh, harmony's fun. Singing harmony's fun. Living in harmony's fun. Being in harmony. Listening to harmony. Being a part of harmony. It's all fun. 
and uh, and I, I know, like like William said, that that kind of feeling is is keeps us going. It it just keeps us going. There's a certain energy level that is the Oak Ridge Boys. It's hard to really explain it. It's hard to pinpoint it. I've even tried to write about it, and I've, I've accomplished some good things writing about it. But man, it was, it's so hard to put down that thing that is the Oak Ridge Boys. And we have to give God the honor, the praise, and the glory for all of it, for the good health, for the longevity, for the career, for the ability to still get out there at our age and still sing pretty doggone good. Faith in God has long been a part of the history of the Oak Ridge Boys, from their early roots as a gospel group to the individual faith journeys of each member. They also use Jesus Calling as a way to spend time with God daily during their busy lives performing and touring. I've been a fan of, of Sarah Young's for a long time. I enjoy her inspirational writing. I enjoy the way she portrays things from, from God's point of view in her writing and how encouraging it is. She's, we, we're on the Shine the Light tour this year. We're talking about our music, Shining a Light. I think Sarah, man, evermore shines a light on every page of her books and her, her uh, devotionals, if you will. And she always backs it up with great scripture. And every day there's a, there's a nice message for you that you can use in your life. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you for being a blessing. The Oaks go on to talk about their new album, which revisits their gospel roots called 17th Avenue Revival. They discuss their motivation to bring light to the world through music and how that keeps them singing after 44 years together. It's a real honor being part of a group like the Oak Ridge Boys with our roots steeped heavily in Southern gospel and uh, with the incredible, incredible music career that we have had and to record a new album like we just did called 17th Avenue Revival, which revisits some of those gospel roots. Um, I'll tell you, we were just talking to some people uh, in another interview and they were talking about a song we've got called Brand New Star and we were talking about how that song was moving people because it represents the Christian belief, you know, that there is a great hope and a great life and a great promise after the grave. And it's a happy sounding song about losing a loved one. But as Christians, you know, we can be happy about that because we, we know what the promises are and we lean upon those promises. We stand upon those promises, so to speak. And we wanted to get everything we could out of a song because to do that and then really experience what we're experiencing now is the reaction from the public when they hear it and we see how it is affecting them. In many ways, a song, There's a Brand New Star Up in Heaven Tonight is talking about dying, but it's giving you another way to look, look at it. And it's a happy thought. Many grieving people today need another way to think about that. And it's helping a lot of people to find that way. I'm gonna miss you every day. It's probably one of the most honest albums we've ever recorded. Uh, we honestly wanted to do something monumental. It was, a, it was a goal. After we were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame, what else, what else is there? Well, it's always, the answer to that question has always been music for us. Uh, make some more new music and follow it. But you have to really craft that music direction by the songs you choose and by the, by the vision that you have where that music will probably go. And to accomplish that. 
it's amazing the journey of a piece of music can be when all of a sudden you're singing it live and then you start getting tweets and emails and, and, and things from people where the song meant something to them. Sometimes you never know the pathway that it's going to take. And I really believe that that's, 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 that comes from, from Jesus Christ. I, I believe that it does. I, I think that these things are way beyond our understanding. But you've got to be open to even begin to follow along the journey yourself to even have the journey to begin with. So we have been open to great songs and to a vision of this project, 17th Avenue Revival, and to put our touch on it and to then have it move people. Wow, what a journey that is for a project and for a song. And for a group like us, you know, we're, we're, we're singing songs. That's what we do. And, uh, but again, it's, it's more than just singing sometimes. It's been a great honor to be with this group singing and to not only have fun and sing songs like Elvira and have people enjoy, you know, and get up and clap their hands and, and enjoy leaving Louisiana in a broad daylight or whatever, or, or, but, but to, to every once in a while be able to hit them with a great gospel song or a great hymn and uh, be able to move them a little bit and make a difference in their lives. I think that's what the Oak Ridge Boys have always been about. This world needs a light, and that light is Jesus Christ. I mean, he, it says in God's Word that uh, in Him there is no darkness at all. It's all light. And we've got to be open to that. And there's enough darkness in the world where we need to be shining a light whenever we can. To find out more about the Oak Ridge Boys' new album, 17th Avenue Revival, please visit oakridgeboys.com. We'll be right back with more of the Jesus Calling podcast after this brief message about an offer from Jesus Calling. Want a daily reminder that we can have hope, peace, and joy each day in Jesus? Now it's as easy as opening an email. The Jesus Calling Daily Email brings you a thought from the Jesus Calling family of devotionals every day. Brighten up your inbox with this little reminder and take a minute to connect with God during your day. To sign up to get your free daily thought from Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. That's jesuscalling.com slash daily dash email. Next up, we have a special rebroadcast of a favorite episode from country artist Aaron Watson. Aaron will be joining us at the CMA Fest in Nashville, Tennessee on June 8th at 3 p.m. If you're in Nashville, come by and meet Aaron at the Jesus Calling booth in the Fanfare X area at booth 106. You can also catch Aaron live on the Jesus Calling Facebook page at 3 p.m. Central Time as well. For more information about Jesus Calling at the CMA Fest, visit JesusCalling.com. Today, we visit with country music phenomenon Aaron Watson. Aaron grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and started chasing his dream of becoming a country singer-songwriter while still in college. Through perseverance, a work ethic instilled in him by his father, and the grace of God, Aaron has seen his career come to life over the last 18 years and is celebrating the release of his latest record, Vaquero. Aaron shares about the struggles of life and making it in the music world, and how his family and his faith have always been the support he has leaned on. I'm Aaron Watson. Um, my first job is uh, is being a dad to Jake, Jack, and Jolie Kate. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas. Um, my dad is 100% disabled from serving our country during the Vietnam War. Um, my mom's a school teacher. My dad is my hero. 
Um, he's dealt with so much through because of his disabilities. Um, I, I would have to say that I am who I am because of dad. Uh, the example that he set. I mean, mom and dad's marriage was not perfect. Uh, far from perfect, but always persistent. And we'd have our big fights. You know what? It would always end with us hugging each other and crying and making up and moving forward. Uh, I think one thing that I always go back to, and I've told this story a million times, was I was around 12, and my dad had a, a cleaning business, and he also cleaned our church. My dad was a custodian and not, not the most glorious job. And one summer, all my buddies were going swimming and I really wanted to go swimming with them. And my dad said, I really need you to help me today. We got a lot of work to do. And I'm pretty sure that I complained every second of that day. And we were in a bathroom, in a men's bathroom, and I had on the yellow gloves and I was down on my knees and I was scrubbing this toilet. And my dad was in the stall next to me, and he was cleaning the toilet, and I'm just complaining. You know, like, I'd rather be swimming. All my buddies are swimming, you know, and I'm here doing this, and I'm, I wanted to do this today, and I wanted to do that. And I remember my sweet daddy, he came around the corner of the stall, and he said, hey. And I turned around and looked at him. He said, do you think that when I was growing up, do you think when I was a little boy that I wanted to grow up to be a custodian? Do you think this is what I wanted to do? And I said, well, well, no, sir. He said, but you know what? He said, um, this is the job that God's blessed me with. He said, so what I'm going to do to show God that I'm thankful for this is these are going to be the cleanest toilets in town. And I just remember just I mean, I just remember it hit me right then and there, like I got it, like I get it, Dad. And um, I, I go back to that moment all the time uh, because that's the truth. Like God blessed my, my dad with that job. Through everything dad had been through, that was a wonderful opportunity for him. And because of that job, he was able to buy me baseball gloves and uh, you know, my sister's piano lessons and gave us a nice home and gave us a good life. Music was always a part of my life. It wasn't my first love. My first love was baseball. Loved, loved baseball. But, you know, uh, music was, at, was in the house. You know, dad was always playing old vinyl records. You know, Willie Whalen, Merle Haggard, um, the Rolling Stones, Beatles. Frank Sinatra, you know, just lots of lots of good stuff. So that was always going on at the house. And then mom was always encouraging me to sing at church. You know, maybe she might even give me a little thump in the back of the head if, you know, I was sitting in the, the pew in front of her and I wasn't singing and talking with my buddies or something, you know. But music's just always been a big part of my life. And, and as I got into college and, you know, started thinking about what, what I was going to do, you know, with my life. I just felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And, you know, in, in the beginning, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure my goals were pretty shallow. You know, it's like I can sing a song 
Uh, I learned to play the guitar so I can Im impress a girl. <laughs> you know, that was probably the extent of my, uh, <laughs> my goals at the time. I met Kimberly in college. Uh, I stalked her a little bit. Um, cute little brunette. She's the sweetest girl. She never gets mad, which I always say she never gets mad, and that makes me mad. She's just so, she's always so cool, calm, and collected. I'll put that in a song. Um, but she supported me from day one. We're on a date, sitting at a, a, a table at our favorite restaurant in Buffalo Gap, Texas, called Perini Ranch. And we were just talking about how crazy life has gotten. Not just the business, but with kids. You know, once upon a time, she and I, we would do whatever we pleased. If she was hungry at 11 o'clock at night, we'd go get some food. Well, things have changed. You know, there's these three kiddos now, Jake, Jack, and Jolie Kate, and there's ballet, and there's baseball, and there's football, and there's piano lessons. It just never stops. But we talked about the many different changes, but the one thing that has stayed the same is love. And that's where I was like, you know what? Trends come and go, but love is never going out of style. The trends will come and go, the winds and chains will blow. The way we love is never going out of style singing. I think it's a fun song that's catchy. And I think older couples can really relate to it. And I think younger couples can strive for it. Out of Style is just a fun little ditty a fun little song about my life and the experiences that I've had with music and my marriage and my wife and I. So it's been fun singing that song everywhere we go because it's, it's real. In college, it kind of hit me that, hey, there's something here with this music thing. And then I started getting, you know, asked to play different type of social events. Um, I started playing coffee shops and I realized then that people, I would play a lot of covers, but then I'd mix in a few of my songs. And I thought it was interesting that at the end of the night, people would come up to me and say, what was that one song you sang? And I was like, oh, that's a song that I wrote. So I started noticing that there was interest in my songs. And that kind of started pushing me to just focus more on my music. It took a while to get off the ground and get running. Um, you know, I think on my third album, I started getting a little bit of attention around the state of Texas, and I had the opportunity uh, to come up to Nashville and, and speak with one of the largest record executives in the music industry. And I sang, I sang him, I think, two or three songs. And I, I sat there, and he didn't say much. And he was pretty firm with me, but basically told me that I didn't have what it takes, but that there could be a future in my songwriting. But, you know, I didn't have what it took, and that they weren't interested in me at all. And it kind of broke my heart a little bit, shattered my dreams. And I drove back home to Texas, and it was actually the next morning I was sitting at the kitchen table with my dad. He was drinking coffee. And he said, so tell me about the trip. How did it go? 
And I said, Dad, they don't like my songs or my singing. He said that I don't have what it takes. And I remember he took a sip and he said, you know, that's the same thing they said to Willie for all those years. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And he said, you know, Willie finally made it by about the time he was 45. Now you have to realize at the time I was 20. And I was like, whoa. I said, Dad, are you telling me that I'm gonna have to grind it out for the next 25 years if I'm gonna make it? And he said, yep, if you want it bad enough. And that just goes back to my dad's mentality of hard work. And hard work does pay off. And, um, you know, at that point, we decided to just get out there, play as many shows as we could, make the best records we could make, and treat our fans like family, treat our fans like royalty. Every night when I'm, after my show, I always hang out with, the, with my fans. And I hate calling them fans because it, they're just the finest clientele. But even when I sign my name, I take pride in how I sign my name, because that's my name. And I try to instill that in my kids. You know, take pride in every little thing that you do, you know, because that's a reflection of me and their mother, the way we're raising them. And, and who I am is a reflection of my mom and dad. And, uh, you know, and I'm definitely, I'm, I'm the most imperfect person in the world, you know, but it's that persistence, that continuing to push yourself to be the best that you can be. And I think about my dad coming around that stall and saying, hey, do you think this is what I wanted to do when I was a little boy? It hits me now because my dad was about the same age then as I am now. And that hits me hard right now because, I mean, he's right. There's nothing too glorious about being called a custodian, you know. But my dad was so thankful for every little blessing. And it, it made me who I am today. And I'm not too proud to do anything. Like if my country music career ended tomorrow, I would clean toilets every day if I had to to take care of my family and uh, there's there's nothing more respectable than honest hard work people always want to talk about the last three years but I don't want to talk about just the last three years I want to talk about the last 18 years because every step of the way has been special to me and it's made me who I am um, the struggles along the way really make you appreciate these kind of moments and we've just been so blessed and it's also been one of those things um, where my career has given me the opportunity to inspire others say hey they said I wasn't good enough they didn't even give me any opportunities but I got out there I worked hard and I created my own opportunities um, and it's also given me this wonderful platform when people are like, how in the world does an independent artist with you know no financial backing like these major label artists outsell 
all these big names. He gives me an opportunity to say, you know what? I don't know, but we're just going to give all the glory to God and we're going to thank him for blessing us with the best fans in the world. And so that's been fun. All throughout the Bible, he uses a lot of people um, at the bottom of the totem pole to do some very big things. So, you know, I'm, I'm, that, that's, that's the prayer I pray before every show is that God gives me courage to get up there, to let my light shine, um, that I can be a positive influence on the people at my shows and um, that he will use my music and my words to glorify him. And, you know, I get an opportunity to share uh, my faith, you know, in some very, very unique places. You know, not too many preachers get to go into honky-tonks and dance halls and, uh, and, and share their love for Jesus. It is a crazy environment. Um, I just want to be home. 99.999% of the time. You know, things that you don't think about when you're 20. It never crossed my mind 20 years ago that how much I would ache being away from home, missing my kids. I didn't think about those kind of things. Um, but you live and you learn. And, you know, daddy's got to work. So it is what it is. But I just try to... Um, I try to be the best that I can be, and, you know, I, I had a guy at my show in Rootstown, Ohio, two weeks ago. He came up to me afterwards, and he said, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate your faith. He said, I don't have that kind of faith like you. And I said, well, what's wrong? He said, I don't know. He said, I, I, don't, I don't have much of a family, and he said, I just... You know, I, I believe in Jesus. I just don't have, I'm just not a very strong Christian like you. I said, well, what makes you think that I'm a strong Christian? He said, well, I just, because, you know, you get up there and you share your faith and you talk about how much you love Jesus. I said, well, I, I do love Jesus. I said, but just because I love Jesus doesn't mean that I'm a strong Christian. Whenever I feel myself slipping, I realize like, oh, I haven't been reading my Bible much. Oh, I haven't been praying much. Oh, I haven't been taking time to stop, slow down, and and focus on on my heart and focus on my soul, focus on my family, focus on my relationship with God. What I love about Jesus Calling is that it's something that I can rely on, especially to get me back into the groove of also getting my Bible back open. So I just think it's a great tool to be used alongside the Bible. And, and I know that I've talked with people about Jesus Calling, and it's a great gift to give people to get them introduced to the Bible. It kind of helps get me kick-started when I kind of get out of my routine. There's nothing that we can do that's so bad that Jesus will stop loving us. And, and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us it covers everything. Uh, six years ago, uh, we lost a little girl, Julia Grace. And we lost Julia shortly after she was born. It's been nearly six years ago. And it's hit me hard this year, especially, because I keep thinking that when I take the kids to school, 
I should be walking Julia in for kindergarten. And that, that cuts me so deep. But those were hard times for us. Um, we had some doctors. We found out that Julia had trisomy 18, um, which we had doctors tell us that she was incom- incompatible with life. And we had several doctors tell us that we should terminate the pregnancy. But that's just not something that we could do. And it's tough for me to talk about, obviously. But some of those moments while Kim was pregnant with Julia are some of the most beautiful moments of my life. When Julia was born, we had her for about an hour. And we got to hear her cry. And we got to hold her. The kids got to love on her. They got to see their sister. I got to sing to Julia. And it was the toughest, most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. I mean, it changed me for forever. And, and I struggle with it. I struggle with it. I, I don't, I ask why. I ask why. And it's okay to ask why. But the fact of the situation is that this is the life that we live in. We want to think that everything is easy and it's good, but it's not. Why did Jesus come to earth? He, he came because of the heartache and the suffering. He gives us hope that there's something better beyond this life. And that's heaven. And that's eternity with Him. And that is what has gotten us through the hard times. Is the hope. We have hope because of Jesus. And we know that we're going to see our little girl again someday in heaven. The world needs to know that like even in their suffering and their loss that God's still there with them. People need to know that bad things are going to happen. And that's the world that we live in. But we have hope in Jesus. And that's what gets us through the hard times. To learn more about Aaron Watson, visit AaronWatson.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with former New York Giants football player and Dancing with the Stars winner, Rashad Jennings, who shares about overcoming incredible odds to become a pro football player. I'm a small town kid. Um, I grew up an overweight, chubby kid with glasses, asthma, 0.6 GPA, with a desire and a dream to play in the NFL and a very inquisitive kid. And uh, because of my relationship with God and the loving people I had around me, I was able to make that kid's dreams come true. Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.